Hello and welcome to the Lights on the Screen podcast. I am your host, Jacob Blunden, and it's been a while. Hello, guys. Welcome back. <laughs> I don't know if I remember how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to introduce my panelist, Taylor Robinson. How are you? Uh, Yeah, it's good to be back, gang. Glad we're all here. It uh, feels like a lot has happened since the last time we've done an episode. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's good to be back talking some movies. I'm going to try to not say like every third word, and we'll, that's my goal for the episode. We'll see how I do. Elena, how are you? I'm great. My goal for the episode is to not say epic every three words, but that's not going to happen because we are talking about some epic movies. We are. We are. Uh, I don't. Ha- I have a goal of just don't completely screw up, but that's that could mean already- a lot of things. I know. So, <laughs> like that's a very uh, broad goal. It is. All right. Well, it has been a while. So, uh, what is the obviously the biggest thing that's probably dropped between then, movie wise? Outside of actually, sorry, this is the curveball that I do want to throw that I oh, did no. that oh, I forgot. I literally, I, know, I, I literally I, asked what we were doing, and I so forgot, this wouldn't happen. And I forgot, but no, this is just a solidarity, uh, solidarity with the writer strike going on. Oh, at the yes. moment. like uh, stand up for for union, stand up for rights. This is completely after right now. What's going on? And yes, solidarity with the WGA. Yeah, all the all the unions are together, which means. The studios and everyone majorly fucked up when you get all of the unions yeah. being yeah. like, this, "This is a big deal. This is a big deal." Yeah, and I think it's gonna it's gonna get pretty ugly, which uh, I kind of hope that it does. Like, I need I need the studios and everyone who is not willing to come to the table to suffer a lot. <laughs> that is what I need. Yeah. So uh, it's obviously going to mean it's like. There is the human element of people are losing jobs. People are going to go months without work, without pay. There is the human element, and we cannot get distracted from the human element. That is the most important element. But then obviously there is also the element of, okay, what happens now with all the shows? Like we're seeing SNL, the late shows, all of them indefinitely cancelled. And then oh. we're seeing the shows who are like, oh, we already have the scripts written. We can do yep. this fine. And then everyone's like, excuse me, have you heard of Heroes Season 2? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope. Because uh, uh, can you remember the last one? What year? 07. Can I fucking remember I, okay. like, the 07 I, okay, writer's strike? I don't enough. think five-year-old Elena <laughs> gave a fuck. <laughs> so, okay. So. I, I briefly know, though, like I, because I was. Like when I was doing the whole like how I met your mother rewatch, and I mean just watching it and like season four or something like yeah, sucked, and everyone was like, "Why is this such a bad script?" And then it was like it was oh seven. Yeah, you go so, through like the oh seven ones. A lot of them. Yeah, Heroes is the best example. Um, the you know the the other that there's other examples like Pushing Daisies, and there's some other shows that either cancelled or came back pre earlier where they really shouldn't have or something like lost which lost wasn't overly impacted in the end but the fourth season's bad because of it um and then you look at the 2009 movies transformers bond uh dragon ball evolution like a lot of these movies that were 10 pulp blockbusters 
and they're terrible because they didn't have a script. They, you know, the, the script was written within thirty da- like within thirty minutes, and all out of fear of this writer strike that's coming. So, like, we we're not movies at the very moment shouldn't be impacted too much. You're right with TV shows, uh, Lord of the Rings season two, and, and House of the Dragon, and House. Oh man, Ooh. House of the Dragon is going to be rough because they already had to go through a new showrunner. Yep, and like they've got a new showrunner on that show, and now they've started filming, and he's gone. So yeah, so that's going to get real interesting. Yeah, that is going to get interesting, and then and and it's not so much like. I, the people who are like, oh, but they've already written the scripts. But with TV shows, you need the writer on the set. And you need- They're getting rewritten until the literally the, like while yeah. filming is happening. Yeah, like yeah. scripts are being rewritten still. So yeah, so uh, this is this one feels bigger than 07. This one feels like it's about more. Like that, it's going to be one that. Like 07 was a hundred, I want to say like 120 days or something like it, it was, was something like that. Yeah. yeah, it was it was definitely triple triple figure days and it was a huge one and it had massive impacts on the industry. I I wouldn't be surprised if this is six months. I really wouldn't at this point. I think we, like I said, we, I think it's going to get ugly. Yeah, we we could be looking at around a six, six month strike. So again, solidarity with the the WGA and any other unions that decide to also go on strike. But this was warranted this was needed and yeah I, uh it's going to be very interesting over the next couple of months what happens so the the media landscape could very much change in the next six months but mm. we'll see um the only other news really that majorly dropped was you two were able to finally get to see your dune trailer yes! uh and me- <laughs> yes! so uh talk about what were your thoughts Epic. <laughs> We're, if this was a video, I would put like a counter in the corner of how many epics we get through this episode. When I listen back to the episode, I'll I'll do my own count. Um, no, yeah, it was incredible, as I assumed it would be. But I I think on when did it drop? Like a few days ago. Whenever yeah. it dropped. Um, I think I watched it like 10 or 11 times and I was at work and I was just showing everyone, even if they didn't care. I was like, did you see the first June June movie? And they were like, oh, I think, watch this, watch this. (laughs) And, oh, it's, I'm just so excited. Everyone looks incredible and all the acting looks like it's going to be next level. The cinematography looks next level. Um, I looked up flights to Melbourne today to go to Melbourne to see it in IMAX in November. (laughs) which I'm most like 99% sure I'm going to do. I did it for Timmy once. I flew to Sydney for a day to go see him. I'll do it again. We're more than likely driving to Seattle so you can see it with your friend. Yeah. (laughs) It's probably going to be, yeah, during that time when we're in Seattle, which, listen, I love you, but I need someone that I can actually like sit there and be like, Timothy Chalamet, Austin Butler, like, because you just look at me and you're like, yes, dear. No, I need need Lauren to be like, absolutely. Absolutely. I get what you're talking about. So look, you can, you can get with her on a, on a level where you're like, I can appreciate these are attractive men, but it's just not the same. No, that's listen, this we're going to Timothy Chalamet and Austin Butler are going to be on the same screen at the same time. Fighting each other. Fighting each other. Most likely shirtless. So, 
Eggs. <laughs> I need moral and emotional support that is beyond what you can provide when that happens, is all I'm saying. How are we feeling about bold butler? Okay, here I'm of, two, I'm of two minds about it. One, it's disgusting uh, that they would do that to his hair, um, even though it's not real. Like, it's definitely yeah. like a bald cap situation. Um, because they could you imagine if he was just walking at the Oscars like completely? Well, bald? No, they do. They duped us all because he was like walking around in Europe, like taking photos with fans, and everyone's like, "Oh, he still has his hair." Nope. <laughs> um, but okay. Anyway, we're getting off. We're very quickly getting off track of me actually answering this question. Um, on the one hand, like it makes me sad because for obvious reasons, but then I was saying this to Lauren when we were like comforting each other in the, in the Facebook <laughs> chat about this. I think it really helps because, and not that this would necessarily happen, but it does happen with actors. Like I really think it'll help him not get typecast, mm-hmm. like having a look that's completely the opposite of what oh, we yeah. just saw in Elvis and completely the opposite of what we're going to get when he's in the bike riders yeah. later in the year. Um, I think it's really good to kind of have that varied resume. And if he, he's able to um, completely disappear into a character like that, like I think it's really good for him. And I think it'll also be really good just like for the story. Like, did I want to see him go like the sting route? Obviously, because, you know, we would have seen a lot and it would have been great. But I do think for the version of the story we're getting from Villeneuve, it's exactly what it needed to be. And I haven't read the books. I know that it doesn't exactly fit the description of the book because he definitely has hair in the book from mm. what I've I've seen people like, you know, deep diving into like what he's supposed to look like and all this stuff. That I don't necessarily care about. It's more does it fit in the vein of this version of Dune that we're getting? And I really think that it does. Mm. I think it's what it needs to be. I think it's also good for Butler because all the memes and shit that was online of him being Elvis, basically, and now he's in a role where he's completely opposite. Yeah. Um, So it could be good in that respect as well. But yeah. All right. uh, So let's move on to what have we been watching? Uh, I actually have things to talk about this time. All right. What have you been watching, Taylor? Okay. So I, thanks to your mother, I sat down and watched Sense and Sensibility for the first time. Oh, that's right. You did too. Uh, Which everyone who knows me is going to be like, I'm sorry, you what? (laughs) That (laughs) was the first time. For someone who's as in love with like Clueless and Pride and Prejudice and all those films, they're going to be like, I'm sorry, you're telling me that no time in your life did you sit down (laughs) and watch Hugh Grant in a period piece? What the fuck is wrong with you? And my answer to that is a lot of things clearly are very wrong with me. Um, but I watched that. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Like the cast is great. Emma Thompson, Kate Winslet, Alan Rickman, and Hugh Grant, like leading a film essentially is peak cinema, like just incredible stuff. Uh, and I'm a sucker for period piece. I was not ready for Hugh Laurie to be in it, by the way, that was, that was the best kind of jump scare. (laughs) That was awesome. Um, but yeah, so it was really good. has a really great cast, even beyond those five that I've named, like Mm. it's just stacked with really great people. So that one's immediately on the list. And by the list, I mean, we'll be watching when I just need to, it'll, it'll be added probably to my pride and prejudice, like list where I'm just like, all right, it's time. I'm in in a mood. (laughs) I'm in a mood. (laughs) So that was the good. And now we have the horrific needs to be thrown into a dumpster and pushed off of a cliff is the next one. 
I made myself watch Ghosted. Oh yeah. You were yeah, we did name you the ghosted correspondent. I was the ghosted correspondent and I did my homework. <laughs> unfortunately. Unfortunately unfortunately for me. For everyone else I did it so you don't have to. <laughs> Although I really want Jacob to watch it because I just kinda need to know. Um like yeah, I need just to know keep your getting thoughts told, on I, it. You need, you need, I need you um, to watch it. So how long is it? It is 120 minutes. Oh my god. It is too damn long. It needed to be at max max 90 minutes. Like at the it should have been less than that, but it's 120 minutes. And um listen, I it makes it makes you sit there and go did I dream that Chris Evans and Anna DeArmas know how to act? Did I make that up in my head that they like have real careers where they're talented? Because this movie wants you to believe that this is like an adult community theater amateur like oh project. God. Like it, they have no chemistry, Z- like zero. Which is wild going from seeing Knives Out. Yeah, I was about to, to this. say. It's like they've never met each other before, but in like the worst way. It feels like, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen online where it's like no no scene in this movie makes it look like they were ever in the same room together. Like Yeah, I've seen people say pretty that. much. Okay. It feels like that. Um the script is horrific. Like anytime there's dialogue, you're like, did J- Chat GTP write this dialogue? <laughs> because that's what it feels like. Welcome um, to a writer's strike, Hollywood. No, but this was before. This, this isn't even. This is before. Wait, I don't even want to. Nope, we're not going down that road. Um, and it's just like the needle drops are some of the worst I've ever heard in my life, which is why I want Jacob to watch it because I just there's nothing that bothers him like more than that. Bad the, needle drops ruin the a movie the, for me. the song True. choices are so odd, and where they put them is just like. Are they really modern or not like old songs? Not, they're not modern. They they almost feel like so they're older songs. The ones I can remember at least because I'm after <laughs> like you know two weeks trauma blocked it. Yeah, um, they're older songs, but like there's one. If, okay, if anyone listening to this has seen it, you know what I'm talking. There's like a car chase scene like out in the desert. Where it might be the worst needle drop I've ever heard. <laughs> it and. And maybe I hallucinated this, but it's <laughs> it's an old song, but it almost sounds like a karaoke vert. Like, oh, no. I don't know if it's like the way that it's mixed or if it's like a weird cover, but almost sounds like the original. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know, but it was bad. Like, it was real bad. Um, and then it just like, uh, I don't even. Okay, <laughs> here's the other problem. And Jacob brought this up without having even watched it because other people have been talking about it. If this role isn't played by Chris Evans and it's played by someone who's not like conventionally Hollywood attractive and charming and everyone's in love with, this is like a stalker, like horror movie. (laughs) Like this isn't a rom-com. This is like, Oh, this girl is in a trouble. (laughs) Like, like he, he like, you know, gets ghosted by her after one date and he spends he like every single day he sends her like 30 text messages a day like and then he figures out that he has a way to like track her 
because he left like something like with her that she has like an inhaler <laughs> and like he can track the it so, so, so he like looks up on the phone and sees she's in london and then his family is like wouldn't it be so romantic if you just went to surprise her in london <laughs> even though she hasn't responded to any of your messages in like however many weeks <laughs> and you're supposed to be like oh well that's cute right because chris evans is like and i'm just sitting there like girl if someone texted me 30 messages a day and yeah. I hadn't gotten back to them and then they tracked me and followed me to surprise me in London, like, I don't care if you look yeah, like Chris no. Evans, like, that's not, that's bad. <laughs> that's a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And then because he just shows up, he gets mixed up with the fact that she's, you know, a spy or whatever. And then they, the people who are after her, like, think he's like someone else. And then so she has to like drag him along and make sure he doesn't die. But, I would not care. But, no, no, I know. And then she has to like pr- protect his pathetic ass through the whole movie. And he's just not charm, but he's not even charming. Like, I don't know what they did to Chris Evans, but it's like, <laughs> it's just bad. Like, wow. it's really, really, really bad. And honestly, <sighs> who wrote this? I, I, t- I tapped out mentally about probably 90 minutes into it. Like, if you ask me how it ends, I legitimately couldn't tell you. <laughs> Like, I remember about 90 minutes worth of what actually happened, mm-hmm. and then I just, I got nothing. So that's, I you're welcome that I watched that for everyone out there so that you don't have to do it, because uh, I cannot recommend anyone watch this except Jacob, because I need to know. Yeah, it's the same writers as, like, Deadpool and Zombieland, so it doesn't surprise me that their idea of a rom-com is that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was a Isn't real Isn't it amazing to think that, that this went from a director who won someone an Oscar... Yeah, technically, Te- even though technically. he even though he's not credited. credited, yeah, you believe should have won someone at Oscar, yeah, uh-huh. in 2019. Yep, at minimum should have been nominated, and yep. then this one. I I would love to know what actually happened with this movie. We're talking about Dexter Fletcher, yeah. who, because, who directed yeah for all our listeners, for, who, who directed uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and, and Rock he Rock was Man. the executive producer of Bohemian Rhapsody. He was the uh, no, but once but yeah. once once Singer had been fired, he yeah. came in and and did it, but he couldn't be credited. So right, major- yeah, 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 majority yeah, that, yeah. of Bo yeah, Rap yeah, is his. Um, yeah. So anyway, I am in pain because. <laughs> We spent so many years after Knives Out being like, oh, wouldn't it be great if they were in a rom-com together? I'm never, <laughs> abort, asking, abort, abort. I'm never asking for anything ever again. <laughs> Not ever. Like, I will never be like, oh, wouldn't it be good? Nope. <laughs> Mouth shut. Mouth shut. Not um, until you see the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the other thing I've been watching, um, I'm almost done. I have like two episodes left, but I've been watching the... Welcome to Wrexham series, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's uh, a sports documentary series and it's about Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElerney buying uh, Wrexham AFC, which is a football club, a Welsh football club. And um, I started watching it because, spoiler alert to everyone, Wrexham got promotion, like they got promoted into the higher league after this last year, like couple weeks ago basically um so i went back and this documentary follows the season before that like the year of soccer before that um and it's a really cool series it's actually it does talk about wrexham as a football team and it talks about 
um, you know, the fact that it's the third oldest professional football team in the world. And like, it gives you that kind of history, but it also really like introduces you to the town and like the Welsh culture. Um, and there's just, it's really in depth on the community and spending time with fans who followed this club for, you know, like 80 years. And it's just really cool. Um, it's really interesting because it does focus on the soccer, but it really focuses on like the whole picture. Um, and it's really cool. I'm excited to finish the last two episodes up and then it has been confirmed. They're doing a second season, which I'm super excited about because that means we'll actually get to see the footage of the season where they do get promotion and mm. they actually win the league, which is going to be really awesome. But, um, yeah, that's all I've been watching. I know it's been like three weeks and I've watched three, three things, but it's better than what I have been doing. So it's better than me where (laughs) I have been sitting down and watching death note at the moment. See, But I'm proud of you because I actually, because you're actually, no, 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 because God, I think it was when we first started dating Mm. like five Five years years ago. ago that you sat down and wanted me to watch it with you. And we got really into it. We watched like three episodes. Like, oh, this is really cool. And then we just never, yeah, like we just never watched it again. <laughs> um, and you've been wanting to, mm. so I'm like stoked that you're actually sitting down. Like and I've done, it. like I, I've done majority of Death Note before, but I've this is the furthest I've ever gotten. Well, like my current re- watch is the furthest I've ever gotten through it. Like. And so I, I've just sat down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do Death Note because I want to try and get more. There's a lot of anime that I kind of want to get into and like, okay, actually start getting back into anime and, and going through it all. And uh, Blake gave me some really great suggestions, but this was one that I just wanted. I was like, okay, I'll cross this one off and then I'll start going into those. And I'm, I'm just, I love this show. It's just so cool. It's so awesome. It's really messed up, but really interesting and highly original like i i've seen the terrible movie do not watch the netflix movie please i'm begging you don't watch it it's terrible but if you the show is on netflix it's really good go watch it if you, would you be surp- yeah i was gonna say would you be surprised to know i've watched like oh uh, how much of it is there there's 37 episodes i've watched like a good chunk yeah <laughs> because in like 2015 i had a crush on this goth boy and he loved death note and so i was like yeah same research research (laughs) research when i was like 13 years old um but yeah i've it it is really good from what i remember no it it is really good so yeah i'm i'm a couple of episodes away from finishing part one so yeah slow all right let's now dive into the remainder of what have we been watching uh, I watched a lot. I won't name it all. If you want to know what I've watched, follow me on Letterboxd, Adelina Violet. But I will be just be mentioning a few. Um, mainly like some of the new releases that some people haven't watched yet. Uh, but it's fine. I'll give you a pass. <laughs> <laughs> First thing, Evil Dead Rise, which I don't think you two are just... Ne- you're never I'm watching. Never it. Never <laughs> seeing it. I'm I've just... had to give out so many refunds at work for people just being like, nope, this, no, too much, too yep, much. No, nah. I, um, I know... Me, I you never would have anyway. I, I literally, I couldn't handle Halloween Kills. Yeah. Okay. What? No. Too uh, much. Yeah. No. So, I never watched this movie. No. Yeah. Like, and I, I just, I remember afterwards, you were just like, 
oh, you're screwed. Yeah, I was like, if you can't even sit through bones and all, you cannot. I think they probably would have used like 100 gallons of fake blood for this yeah. shit. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, Blake and I were giddily laughing along the whole time. Um, but... Yeah, I it was really good. If you're a fan of the Evil Dead franchise, you're going to love it. Um, I had only seen the first one prior to this, like quickly before I had to like race off to the screening. Um, it definitely has a lot of callbacks and shares a lot of the same like humor, um, as well as kind of some through lines of just thematically and stylistically how the first ones look, uh, which I really appreciated. But it's also just like really good acting from the Beth Lily Sullivan. Nope. Alyssa Sutherland. <laughs> um, which who plays Ellie. And she if you've watched the movie, you know what I mean. Mother. Mother is mothering. Um and just goes ham and I'm I'm excited to see her more in like in more horror movies because she like this could be a breakout for her, to be honest. Um but yeah, I don't. I saw it so long, so long ago. I haven't thought about it since. So I liked it. I didn't love it. But if you're a like diehard horror fan, I was talking to my friend at work, and he's like completely horror head. Like everything about horror, he just loves, and he really loved it. And saw all the callbacks to the original, like what came before it. So if you like that, you're gonna love this. Um, then blah 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 blah. I watched. Oh, Bo was afraid. I get to talk about Bo was afraid. <laughs> um, I wrote so many notes about this movie, ready to talk about it on the podcast. So, um, <laughs> that was oh, you guys also haven't seen this, so no. I'm about to sell it to you. Um, I will just say Ari Aster is like probably top three directors for me. It's what's between like Greta Gerwig, Jordan Peele, and Ari Aster, which is really funny because they all have only like two I was or three say, movies I, each. I, I love how your top <laughs> filmmakers are one from the last five years yes. and two have no movies. It's certainly recency <laughs> bias, I'll say that, but like they are goaded directors, you can't deny it. Um, but yeah, Ari Aster cements himself as like one of the upcoming auteurs of his craft and if Martin Scorsese said it and if you all want to listen to Martin Scorsese (laughs) then listen to him now as well um he just has incredible vision and his direction in this specifically is like off the rails but that's what makes it so good um like the first act is in uh like city area where It's just absolute chaos. Like so much is happening. There's like a scene on like Bo is running across the street and just the, when it happened, I just thought about the direction of all the side characters and background characters and everything they are doing. There's like 20 different people doing different crazy fucked up shit. (laughs) And just like thinking about directing that would be insane. Um, And the framing and the blocking of all the characters and the like, cameras as well was awesome to watch and that kind of happened the whole way through um which was really really admirable um certainly also takes inspiration from auteurs that came before him like lynch and tati and he said himself that he didn't consciously take inspiration from them but once he watched the movie he was like oh yep that yep (laughs) i i i am them (laughs) um and 
if we want to discuss genre, like backing off that, I don't even know what you'd call this. Because <laughs> so that's the thing. I was, I having not seen it, I still have no idea what is it. It's not a horror. So that's but what I, that's my thing. There's is, elements of it that is like that are like scary. Okay, because the R rating has me so confused. It's so I literally wrote down. Comedy question mark, thriller question mark, horror question mark, drama question mark. Like right. it's literally basically everything. Okay. Is okay, basically what I'm saying, is the R rated justified in that it's it's gory and violent, or is it more just uncomfortable? <sighs> I don't even know because I didn't notice that much gore and violence, but also that's just me yeah, who doesn't fair. care about that stuff. Um I should have thought about that more when watching it, but I think it is just there's like it's all the like the nudity and Coarse language and violence, and also just fucked up shit happening. Yeah. Like that, a fifteen-year-old probably can't go watch this yeah. movie because, like, Midsummer's also are, and, and that I would, I'd be, I look at Midsummer mm. and I go, I've seen worse MA movies. Yeah, like there's worse horror movies that are MA. Like I, I'd say Barbarian or something like that is probably worse than than. I think Midsummer. it's also the like themes of midsummer yeah, as well like yeah. the meaning behind it i guess yeah. would be a bit too much for a 15 year old to grasp um but yeah um speaking about it being a comedy it is so funny like really? Blake and i were the only ones laughing in our screening <laughs> but like everyone else is just boring i guess because it was so funny and i did not expect to be laughing that much um and then onto horror yeah like i said 10 percent of the film is scary um and not even that much. And when it is scary, like it is, and then it just like almost jump cuts into something that's so hilarious. <laughs> so it's like I said, like it just goes crazy and ham. And also because of Joaquin's performance, does this movie work so well? Like it's it's not career best. A lot of people are saying it is career best and not at all is it career best. But I think that people are saying that because it is such a bonkers role and with a lesser actor, it would not work. So I think Joaquin just knows what he's fucking doing and so, and like pulled off the role. So everyone thinks it's a career best, but it's it's not. Um, Go watch her and then come back. (laughs) Um, But that's kind of all I have to say and all I want to say because you kind of just need to watch it. But also like, all the bitches on TikTok that are like, oh, I don't even know how to review this movie and it's just like crazy and wild and I honestly didn't think it was that crazy as people are saying it is. So going with that also. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I don't, like, I feel like I just said a whole bunch of nothing. But <laughs> it, it, I loved it. I truly loved it. And definitely in the first half – more than the second half, which usually just happens with a three-hour movie anyway. Mm. Um, and there was definitely parts of it where I thought it could end, but then it went on for another hour, but that hour was justified. So, like, it's a three-hour movie that doesn't slog at any points, to be honest. Like, there's some down moments, but they are, like, shit's still happening and it's still exciting and entertaining. So I would definitely recommend it if you feel like a mind-boggling, crazy adventure is for you 
But if not, I guess just like wait till it's at home so you can like pause it and walk away and come back. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that on the internet because like support movie theaters. But I also just don't think it's playing in movie theaters anymore. Mm. Maybe at like Palace at 9.30 at night. But I wouldn't see this at 9.30 at night. Yeah, that would be a lot. Um, but yeah, Bo is Afraid. Epic movie. I love Ari Aster and I'll literally just anything he does, whatever he wants, I'll have it. Um what else do I want to talk about? I watched too much. I'm just going to rapid fire. Um, I watched Suzume, which is the new film from Makoto Shinkai, um, director of Weathering With You and Your Name. I haven't watched either of those movies and I've been really meaning to. So going into this kind of without knowing what his style is like was really awesome because it was so ethereal and dreamlike and I was just blown away by the visuals of the animation um, but the story itself kind of let me down. I'm not a fantasy person. So the first half of the setup and the introduction to the characters and everything I loved, but then it got to a point where I was like, okay, I can't keep watching a chair, like fighting people. Like I can't keep doing this. You, if you know, you know. <laughs> so, but yeah, I did enjoy it. So I would definitely recommend that if you are an anime fan and if you loved like weathering with you on your name, I'm sure this will um scratch that itch uh then i rewatched perks of being a wallflower we're not going to talk about it then <laughs> when i'd watched that yeah, jacob texted I, yeah, me within, like i saw she, <laughs> now watching but like she put something up about watching perks and i just immediately went you okay <laughs> <laughs> i was like uh-huh yeah, yeah um no i actually was okay i just needed a warm hug you know and that movie is a warm hug which everyone goes like you think that movie's like optimistic like i don't know everyone gets like weird when i say it's like a comfort movie because they everyone else like it's so sad and i'm like not really i I guess because i I guess for people that aren't like that Mm. and that see charlie and they're kind of like Oh, that poor little boy. Yeah. And I, <laughs> Instead of like being that character. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I don't know. know, man. If a movie doesn't have me sobbing and wanting to die, it's not a comfort movie to me. Exactly. So yeah. I sit there and watch Titanic and go, yep. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Killing it. <laughs> Everyone's like, how is that a comfort? I'm like, you don't understand. Like, just leave just, me alone. Don't even ask me. Yeah. Um, I ventured to Goma, the gallery of modern art here in Australia. Brisbane um and they have they have a like retrospective of Juliette I'm gonna butcher her last name Binoche Binoche whatever it is I can't speak French um and they had a double feature of three colors blue and certified copy which I didn't I knew these were going to be Kino but I didn't know what Kino I was in for because my god like Three Colors Blue, I have been wanting to watch that like Three Colors trilogy for the longest time. And so I was like, this is the perfect opportunity to get jump started when it's playing at Goma. And it was incredible. And basically it's simple it's really fucking depressing. It's about a woman who loses her child and husband in a car crash and just like is depressed for the whole movie because she's suffering with the grief that she has to face. And there's a lot of blue in this movie because she is sad. Wow. And there's, there's like, it literally, I was like laughing on the inside because there's a scene where she's like swimming in a blue pool and it's like 
met- metaphorical, obviously. And it just reminded me of when your English teacher is like, why are his curtains blue? <laughs> because he is sad. This is a metaphor. Um, but in the it was in the most epic way. So I really recommend that movie, but with caution because it is very depressing. But I digress. I'm, when Then we moved on to certified copy, which is like really playful and fun. <laughs> so it was like a great chaser, actually. And I was like smiling and laughing the whole time. It's basically um, this woman is in like lives in Tuscany and she meets a like middle-aged English writer um, who's like in there to promote his latest book and they kind of go on this like before midnight-esque adventure across Italy across just like through Italy um, and talking and they are going on about like what's like art and they have a lot of conversations about art and philosophy and what's a copy and what's an original and how do you know something's a copy how do you know something's an original they have like repeated conversations about this with certain pieces of art and like around Italy and then at one point they're sitting in a cafe and he goes outside to take a call and the cafe owner is like so is that your like how long have you guys been married and then she just goes with it and then they act like a married couple for the whole movie but then at one point you're kind of like are they actually married and have been like just were like faking not being married or is it the other way around so like the lines kind of get blurred for you um but yeah the acting in it is incredible and the script is just magnificent so that was also like a five-star movie I was blown out of the water and I seriously recommend it to anyone who's just looking for a fun movie that if, yeah, if you like the before movies, you'll definitely like this because it's very conversational and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I'll shut up and talk about Polite Society <laughs> just really quickly because it's it's fun, it's funky. It's um, a debut from Nita Menzor and she just presents if, – if you have a sister also, you'll really love it because I have a sister who is wanting to get married desperately and so it really spoke to me because this is about like – a little sister who uh, her big sister is like down in the dumps and then basically she gets married off to this douchebag guy and her sister's like, hmm, I don't like you. <laughs> I know something's up with you. And she's just trying to find dirt on him and that's all I'll say because this movie goes fucking bonkers in the like you would not expect where it goes. I mean, Jacob might because you know everything. So you'll probably be like, yeah, obviously – this and this and this but like i would like to believe when it happened i was like i would like to believe that jacob doesn't know like that this would happen because it's yeah it yeah we'll have you report back i haven't seen any trailers or anything for this movie so yeah yeah i think i watched one trailer it like nothing about it Mm. like the promotion gives it away like at all so it's it's good and it's a really good action comedy um some badass female leads it's i as soon as I got here, I was like, Taylor, you need to watch Polite Society. It's right up your alley. So <laughs> it's a very Taylor movie. So if, if if you like how Taylor talks about movies, you'll like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is a ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, I rewatched Rushmore last night because shout out to Palace. They're doing a um, Wes Anderson retrospective. And that movie has slept on way too much. That's an awesome movie. I like Rushmore. I think because it's, it's early Wes Anderson. They mm. do, What? Nah. Don't shake your head. I don't like Rushmore. <laughs> it's fine. 
well, okay, cool. I'll shut up. <laughs> hey, you're about to watch the one that I I completely love. That's my favorite Wes Anderson movie, and you're just like, it's the fucking worst. I don't think it's the worst. I do. Okay, it's time to out myself. The Royal Tenenbaums is my least favorite Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> I watched Crime. it and I was like, snooze. I I don't care. See, that's that's life aquatic for me i That's do fair. not like like life I haven't, aquatic. I haven't seen that one yet yeah no. that one's like n- not as good as everyone says it is yeah i, I but it's still could good not, could not get through that one i just I, love that, willem defoe in that um yeah that's i'm pretty sure that's the uh, i'm trying to see i i and i haven't seen french connection yet the, connection the, no not french. the french dispatch I yeah i haven't seen french connection either the Classic movie. Um, I still haven't seen that one. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't seen French Dispatch. Um, oh wow, okay. Yeah, no, I still haven't seen that. And but everything, all the other ones I've seen now. Uh, yeah. Well, I know you. I know you live very far from Palace, but get yourself to Palace and go see these movies. I did it last time. I did. I did it when they when they did it before French Dispatch. Did they Palace did. or Dendi? I think Dendi did. Oh, yeah. No, it was Dendi. Yeah, they yeah. did all of them. Yeah, so true. So I did, I did all but the two I had already seen in cinemas, which was Moonrise and um, Grand Poo Pasta. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah. yeah. That's me. All right. Well, that is what we've been watching this week. Um, the last three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> true. The week. last three weeks. <laughs> Let's, okay. Let's move on to one of the bigger movies of the year, I yeah. want to say. I think it's, it's yep, yeah, sure. we are now obviously going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. I'm going to tell you something. I'm Star-Lord. I formed the Guardians. Met a girl, fell in love. And that girl died, but then she came back. Came back a total dick. Oh, please. He left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. Still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own, a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians if not successful. That is a really weird... That is really a horrible really synopsis. Weird. That's, okay, that is a synopsis that is trying to hide behind what the... Trying to hide what the inciting incident in the movie is and yeah. we'll get to that in spoilers it's but. trying to make you think it's just a copy paste of yeah. another guardian movie. yeah like it's trying to hide this thing happens yeah. and it doesn't want to say that that's fair um taylor what did you think of yes. guardians of the Gal- galaxy volume three um so i said this in my letterbox review that i wrote but guardians volume three reminded me of why i fell in love with mcu films in the first place like it the the few releases we've gotten before this and even some before that like they really had me questioning if it was going to be a thing where i would enjoy new mcu films or if i was just going to have to keep going backwards to actually find ones that i really liked and this one really surprised me um i like the other two guardians films quite a bit but this one for me really hit every note that it needed to hit for it to be 
not only a, a successful movie in terms of achieving what I think it set out to, but a movie that really just like pushed all the right buttons for me personally. Um, it's first of all, the guardians of the galaxy films, regardless of anything else, have some of the best needle drops just ever in film. Mm. Like they just use music so beautifully in terms of the storytelling, but also, um, I mean, it, it's kind of genius the way that they use music as, as almost like a shadow or a mirror um, that always follows Peter Quill through the stories and is very much tied to him as a character, but then it's also kind of ushering the rest of the story along. I think it's a really cool companion character is what I would call it to Peter Quill in these movies. Um, and it's always really effective. It was really effective here. I was personally attacked by San Francisco by the Mowgli's randomly popping up in this movie. <laughs> that is a song I listen to in the car pretty much all the time and have for like years and years and years now. And I never would have bet any amount of money on that ever popping up in an MCU film. So I was just like, they play like five seconds of it and then it cuts to another scene. And then I was like, did I just hallucinate that? And then eventually it goes back to it. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Anyway, that was just a little bit of a personal note uh, for me. That was a really weird experience. Um, but this this movie, I think the strongest pillar of it, and there are a lot of really strong things about it, but I think aside from the music, the strongest element of it and why it works the way that it does is it understands how to balance the Guardian's MCU kind of humor and the really big emotional punches that it's that it's dealing to you and it balances them really well and unlike a lot of MCU films recently it's not undercutting itself it's not giving you this big emotional moment and then throwing in a joke because it immediately needs you to be laughing again like it has some really brutal visual moments but also really brutal mental and emotional moments and it really lets you sit with them and it really makes you confront them. Um, and I really, really appreciated that a lot because humor is such a subjective thing. And there's one Guardians movie where I really like the humor and there's one that doesn't work as well for me. And this one I feel like strikes a good middle range of having good humor, but not overplaying its hand. Um, and I just really appreciated the fact that it feels like what the end cap of a trilogy should feel like f for me, especially with the kind of story that they were going to have to tell with where the guardians were at the beginning of the, of the film. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, first of all, speaking of needle drops, I need to, I need to talk about the, the epic, just said epic again, needle <laughs> drop um, of creep by Radiohead. <laughs> Yes. With Rocket walking and sulking and singing. Uh, yes. I, the Guardians that was movies amazing. have some of the best openings. Yes, genuinely. Oh. That was just such a good opening with yeah. Rocket, like, especially walking through being, and singing Creep. Like, just, and, uh, yeah. Oh, Creep. Oh, it's just so good. And especially, like, sets up, because Rocket is pretty much the heart of this story, and which, if you watch the trailer, you know that, like. Um, and I'm, But I'm still glad 
that I'm glad that he was the heart of the story because I've always loved that stupid little raccoon and I am glad that he just like had a moment to shine because I don't like he's kind of all the guardians like Star Lord Star Lord and Gamora definitely like have been the two central ones the rest are definitely central but just kind of there um and this movie definitely let Rocket take the front foot um in terms of where the plot goes which I was very excited about because I've always thought he's the funniest little thing ever um and anyway that's just my love for Rocket now I'll actually review the film um I think this trilogy has been consistently like one of the best things about the MCU and has always kept me coming back. Um, Whenever I have like an MCU rut where I'm just like kind of done with it, I'll always just think of the Guardians little, the franchise within the franchise, I guess, because honestly they can kind of stand alone. Oh yeah. All three of these Like you take them out and they, you don't really, um, there might be some things that like, you have to know this from a separate movie, like Infinity War or something like that. No, but like this one, I think, especially yeah. more than any. Like you, you need to know what happened to Gamora in this yes. one. Like that's the only thing I'd say. But, you but need if to someone know. tells, like, fills you in on, hey, this is what happened with Gamora, I think you could, yeah, pretty much. And same and Nebula. Like you hmm. need to know that, like Nebula mm. turned. I mean, There's some jokes that like might make more sense yeah. if you know the plot line, like the backstory. But like, yeah, these can definitely stand alone at least a little bit, um, which is awesome. And, yeah, I've always loved these characters and had a spot, soft spot for them and their, like, silly antics. And it's probably just because of James Gunn. Like, it, this movie has really made me realise that he's, like, one of the best directors we have in the MCU and it's really sad. Me with DC, I guess I'll just have to start watching DC movies because... I'll get to that. Okay. Yeah, because... <laughs> I have a very different opinion on James Gunn, but I'll get to that. Interesting. Anyway. Yeah, Jacob's going to be the controversial one cool. on this episode. Well, I love James Gunn as a director, and he's like the only reason I cared about the Suicide Squad because um, his the way he uses the camera in action sequences and just, I mean, in general. Um, and there were some really cool shots like that kind of took me out of it, but it was cool with like the – oh quick pans and yeah. like office style almost kind of like cutting but um like moving between characters as they were speaking that was like really cool and really fit um and thanks to his direction and screenwriting taylor kind of mentioned it we get like a very balanced movie where there's multiple points where characters split up and go on separate adventures but it never feels choppy and always ensures that the characters are moving with purpose and intent which i feel like in mcu movies of late characters kind of split up and then come back together and nothing's actually happened. Mm. <laughs> so that was really nice to have. Um, it was just like, as ha- I wrote in my notes, as Harry Styles says, it feels, <laughs> it feels like a movie. And it does. Like we actually got a movie. Why don't shake it at me? <laughs> it feels like a movie. And I really appreciated that because I'm just sick of the mush that we've been getting from this franchise and I feel like I guess there's definitely moments where James Gunn's direction is overshadowed by Marvel and that happens in every movie like we got that in Doctor Strange where it was Sam Raimi but Sam Raimi had to agree with Marvel's terms so he couldn't go as wild as he wanted to kind of thing um 
And we also see that with the Suicide Squad where, like, that was going ham and crazy and he probably could have done that in a movie like Guardians, but Marvel kind of has to keep it PG. (laughs) So, okay. Uh, I'm going to bounce off that one. Okay. I think James Gunn's at his best when he's PG-13. Okay. I don't like James Gunn R-rated. I, I, I'm I not a fan of his R-rated movies. I think when he is forced to be constrained and forced to have to come up with clever humor that isn't just saying the F word, and I, I think it can be very clever. And I get very what you funny. mean, yeah. Definitely. I think he works better in a PG-13 constricted environment than – because I did not like The Suicide Squad. Okay. And I don't like Peacemaker. And I don't like I like I a lot of I, I, I admittedly I haven't seen Slither, um. So I do need that's one I do need to watch. Would you say do you mean this by like just comedy or all of it? I I think comedy. I think, but he uses gross out as a way to shock you into a laugh, or and I think a lot of the times it doesn't work. Okay. Personally, I think it's just it comes across as cheap, and that's kind of how I felt a lot with the Suicide Squad. Was a lot of the moments where he would undercut, and it's my big, it's my other big problem with Guardians Two, and it and it's dragged into this movie for me, which something I took into the movie out and kind of had a bit of a guard up for it. But this movie doesn't do it, which is he has moments that are really heartfelt and really emotional moments that are getting the character, you, it's the audience to get into a moment and then he'll undercut it with a bad joke. And he does it several times through Guardians 2 and he does it several times in The Suicide Squad. And I was coming into this movie going, there's a few of them in this movie where I was like, oh, they're going to do, there's going to be the bad joke, it's going to be the bad joke. And then it doesn't come and it's like, oh, you actually let me have that moment. And I and it's, I do like this movie. I think this is a very good movie. I, it's probably the best MCU movie we've had since Shang-Chi. Um, I think it's too long. Um, I think the villain is very one note. Wasn't a fan of the villain at all, but it did its main job, which was give us a fitting end to these guardians. And by I think the last forty five minutes or forty minutes of this movie is probably the most emotionally f- fulfilling I have had from an MCU since Endgame. Mm. I think it, I think it is so well handled and so well done. Of this is everyone getting their moment. This is everyone having. That goodbye, that where move like that ending, that it's so well done that it's like, yep, this is the best you've. This is the best the MCU has done in terms of that since Endgame, and I and where it's emotionally satisfying, mm. and that like so. On the whole, this movie was very emotionally satisfying. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it is a very, very good movie. I think it's a very good MCU movie. There are problems I have with it. I think it's far too long. I don't like the villain. Um, I think it undercuts itself in some... I, I, I think I think the weight of itself does kind of collapse in on itself at points where it's trying to do a little too much. Like what? I can get to that in spoilers. Okay. Um... But because there's certain there's certain character moments where it, 
I think it's kind of it's trying to do a little too much. Um, but that also comes from there are so many characters in this movie. Like there is a lot. Like with the Guardians have gone from five to about nine. Yeah, and which is why I was also like I didn't fully give it like a five star because there's a lot to deal with, and yeah. that's just like. MCU at the moment where you have so many characters you need to juggle and sometimes they can fall through the cracks and it's not all going to be handled unless it is another like 30 minutes yeah. and no one wants that. Um, so I am, we'll go into spoilers because there's a few things I do want to talk about but uh, this is your spoiler alert for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So, and I put this, I, I, I messaged so both of you this. Um, the one, like, it does it a few times in the movie, but, like, one big moment for me is when Mantis has her big moment and then it immediately goes from Mantis's big moment with the creatures that she's, like, controlling and everything. It immediately goes from that straight into Craiglin's big moment with the arrow. And it's just kind of like we have literally just done this and you've not gone to another part of the moon that's it's things like that where it's like you are starting to fall under like the, the same of kind of it's the same it's the same, the, it's the same thing, beat yeah the same beat the same the same emotional beat that you are giving me that and like the same they're finally like developing element and, and, yeah. and learning their power and i was like yeah. okay that doesn't resonate with me as much as Something like I, I the the moment for me that got me because I was pretty good I didn't get cry, I didn't get teary eyed at all but there was a moment that nearly broke me and it's when um and I have forgotten her name again Nebula Nebula <laughs> wow it's when it's when Rocket wakes back up and says and Nebula hears hears him for the first time and she was and her the way she says Rocket I just nearly lost it I was like <laughs> oh like I don't know there was something about it that was just this family moment it was so perfect and so wonderful i was just like that is guardians and that was perfect mm. so uh, yeah that i think what that what this movie does so well is family yeah i think i i the 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 thing about this franchise better than any other franchise has ever done is found family what does found family mean and what this these three movies do is so perfect. It's yeah that that is its biggest strength. But yeah, it's, uh, Taylor, do you have any other spoiler talk you want to mention? Um, yes. I'm just trying to figure out how I want to do it. <laughs> um, I guess for me. Okay, I want to, I guess, we kind of talked about this, you and I, Jacob, but for me, I don't know if I would bring a kid to see this movie. And I know that that's kind of like a hot button debate with superhero films of like, they're supposed to be for kids or they're not supposed to be for kids or whatever. And I know every kid is different, but watching this film, I sat there and went, I'm like, like hardcore being forced to deal with some traumas watching this. I don't know if I could bring a kid to watch it just because like some of the, some of Rocket's friends, like visually, Mm. like if I had seen Mm. that kind of stuff 
as a kid. Like, I don't know if I would have been able to handle that. Um, And just some of like the psychological elements of like the animals like being experimented on and, and what rocket is mentally and emotionally dealing with. I thought it was handled beautifully. Mm. Like the moments where rocket is with his friends in the cage and they're talking about seeing the sky oh. and that I just, that was like, it was beautiful. Yes. I, I, that I would the entire time. And, and I think that might be why I, I'm a little, it's too long. It's because I just kept wanting to go back to them. Like mm-hmm. the the gaps between getting the flashbacks were too long for me because I was I was so invested in Rocket's story yeah. that it was like I, I don't care I I don't care what's happening with the with the with them right but you now. Can't, I, you can't do I, that. I know like, that's, I, I, that's yeah. you trying to make it the movie that no, you and want I get that. I, I get that. that no, and I get that. I just am kind of like. That you know, meanwhile back at you know, meanwhile back at the ranch, and it's it, you know the the storytelling beat where if you're going to do that, you got to have both be as interesting as each other. Well, I think they are, and I, I, but I wasn't. I I wasn't as interested in Peter and their story. I just it wasn't as interesting for me, and that's kind of where I was like, I just wanted to get back to Rocket's story because that was interesting and emotional and was hitting hard. See, and but see, but I think that's. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> That's how I'm going to frame this because I don't know how else to do it. That I think that it works because I think it was the perfect way to balance the emotion and the comedy. When mm. you're getting Rocket's story and you're with him and his friends, you're getting the hard gut punch of emotion. And when you're with the rest of the Guardians, you're getting the humor moments that you want out of a Guardian movie. And by doing it mostly that way, you're not running that risk of undercutting the emotion with the humor because they're pretty, not always, but they're pretty separate for a lot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't know. I really just, I think it worked really well because um, I think it's good that this wasn't a copy-paste of another Guardians movie. What I mean by that is we do get Quill's story in this movie obviously because he's still dealing with Gamora and that whole like his own family trauma and that kind of stuff but it was really refreshing to see a Guardians movie that's not just about Quill and Mm -hmm. all the other characters kind of have to fall into line of what his story is going through Mm -hmm. Um, and I really really appreciated that aspect of it a lot and I think that it was also really nice to actually get to see Drax and um, Mantis and some of the other characters like having to deal with a lot of their shit. Like they're not just being sidelined as like Drax has a funny line here and Mantis is like going to do this thing here. Like the scene with Gamora and um, not Gamora, Nebula and mantis and drax where they're basically just calling him stupid to his face Mm. like that scene like obviously has a small undercurrent of humor in it but that's a really confronting scene that they all have with each other being like like you're it's the found family thing it's these siblings that are fighting with each other and getting under each other's skin but at the end of the day they're they've chosen to be a family Mm. and i another part 
that I really liked and I think works really well with this version of the story that we're getting with this version of Kimura that we're now dealing with is her having to, she's now the one that has to relearn that. She's now the one that, you know, kind of took on the nebula role almost where it's, she's coming into this group that she doesn't remember anything about. She doesn't understand the dynamic of found family. And you're getting that juxtaposed with that moment that you talked about with Nebula when she realizes that Rocket is okay. Mm. And you see how much she, as the ultimate outsider when we first met her, has really accepted this found family and they've accepted her. And I think it's in that moment that you really get it. You Mm. really get just how invested she's let herself be and how much she's let herself open up to accepting that kind of love which is such a huge character arc Mm. from where we first met her. But now you're getting Gamora coming in and just not understanding it, not wanting anything to do with it. And slowly throughout the movie, you do see her start to get it. But what I love about that is she gets it and then she's still able to move on Mm. because I think this version of Gamora needs to do that. The, The Gamora we grew to love would never have done that. But as they were saying throughout the movie, this is not the Gamora you want it to be. This is not the Gamora you know. This is a different person. And by having her slowly start to understand the dynamic of the found family, but then deciding that it's not for her, that she has her own found family, and kind of realizing that in the last scene we see of her, she she looks happier than I think we ever saw mm. her throughout the entire film. And I think she kind of is taking what she saw with the Guardians and realizing that she is able to have that, but it's not Argamora and it's not with that group anymore, which I just thought was such an interesting way to go with that story. Mm. You explained that really well, and I don't know how I'm meant to follow it up. But sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. You just You just like the question the next question i was going to ask and you just answered that so uh what is it? Which, which which was <laughs> do you think could, like should gamora have been in this movie and i think you just answered yes well yeah. to, to me 100%. yes I, I think so like, I, I know you have something to say about it I, look i gamora's death in infinity war is so perfect in that movie i think it is so well handled so perfectly handled I don't know if we sh- if she needed to come back. Now, having seen Guardians three, I don't I don't know if she did. What you just explained makes go okay, cool. Now yeah. I, I I get it. Now I'm like it's okay. So, it's also certainly an emotional point for Star Lord. No, it it is. Um, but I think we could. <sighs> you okay? Here's the thing. I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I think we still could have told this version of this story where Star Lord has to deal with the fact that she's gone. I think you could definitely do that in a movie without her physically in it. Mm. There's a version of that story that you can absolutely tell. Um, I just don't know, like on the spot, like how you would do it. Mm. Like there's a way you could do it. I'm just not sure with a medium of visual storytelling how you do it if she's not there unless you're going to heavily do like flashbacks or something maybe yeah um and there's already enough flashbacks with rocket so right yeah. um or you could have it focus more 
again it would rely on flashbacks though if you focus on more on like his grandfather that's what stuff. i was thinking like because where he ultimately ends up i that's where i'm more thinking it's interesting to me that they don't focus on that like because okay him going i'm gonna go back home didn't really quite have the emotional True. kick Same. for me of like the you're going home because one he's been to earth before like we've he's he's been to Earth since now. Admittedly, it was during the Avengers and didn't really count. But like the, it isn't the and it, there isn't the emotional. I think because it isn't tied into the final battle or isn't tied into the emotion, the actual emotional climax of the movie. I you don't really quite feel it when he lands at Earth for the first time. Like, I, I, I would I, agree. I, d- I wasn't very committed to that storyline. I also yeah. think because they definitely focus on how he is a, like his romantic like emotional beats with Gamora more than like his familial like in this movie at least. I think they probably touch on the familial more in Guardians too. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I I don't know if I necessarily think that him going back home hit me very hard emotionally, but I do like the way that they made his character deal with it through about three-fourths of the movie. So basically they spent three-fourths of his character arc in the movie with him still trying to cling on to the old Gamora and trying to see if there's a way he can turn this new Gamora into the old Gamora or convince her you know, to give them a chance or whatever. Like he's going through, you know, all the stages. He's like in denial and he's grief <laughs> and he's like, he's in all the, he's we've going through there, all the, yeah. he's going through all the stages. And then, you know, this, and this is one of the, the moments in the movie that I think balances humor and emotion perfectly. But that's also because Dave Bautista is a genius. Um, but where <laughs> Mantis is like, you have to go talk to him. And he's like, life is like, a lake and the lily yes. pads and the, and you need <laughs> to learn epic. how to swim and he's like did you just use did you just use a metaphor i didn't think you were capable <laughs> he's like oh i know all the metaphor and then anyway that i love i think that, david is just yeah. so good um in that moment but my point being i do think it's interesting that they have his character really grapple with the fact that he's just not going to let go of it and then it gets to a point where he kind of realizes like I do still have someone left and I've completely just abandoned them this whole time. And if there's a chance that they're still around, Mm. like that's where I need to go. And I think, I think the reason that I was okay with how it went and maybe this is not the right way to look at it. To me, it wasn't meant to really pack a big emotional punch because you get that with, with rocket. And I also think you get that with Batista Mm. mostly, Um, but I think for me, it was more meant to kind of be uncomfortable and awkward and more of like a, cause you know, the, the end of the movie is basically Star Lord will return. So I think it was more of an introduction rather than like a big emotional gut punch to me. I'm not saying that anyone's wrong for feeling like it should have had one and doesn't, but I think the reason it didn't really register to me as like oh that should have been more emotional i think to me the point was like more of an introduction into the new version of star lord that they're clearly wanting to show us eventually mm. and it being more like a fi- 
fish out of water, like learning to swim, like being thrown back into this thing where it's not really an emotional yeah. thing from his side. Clearly his grandfather's emotional about it, but from Star-Lord's perspective, it's more like shock almost, and he doesn't really have mm. like an emotional reaction because he doesn't really know how. But that's more of like how I read like that whole no you definitely cleared up my thoughts about that so thank you i'm just here to help everyone sort out their own problem okay here's something i want to bring up though because i know you have controversial thoughts about this jacob oh yeah we need to talk we need to talk about mother and (laughs) mother elizabeth debecky and adam warlock Mm. because that was a whole thing in and of itself um, and I, I just, without it. I, yeah, I know you didn't like it, but I just the fact that you have Will Poulter sitting there looking at Elizabeth Debicki and be like, "Mother," <laughs> that's kind of my favorite thing ever. Because there's she is mother, she is mother first of all, but there's like got to be like what, like maybe a ten year age difference between <laughs> the two of them. I yeah, no, the Adam <laughs> Wall Adam Warlock just didn't work for me. I, I and I get the humor, but I it just I don't know that type of humor just I didn't just find I didn't find his character interesting. I didn't find it funny. I, I was kind of really annoyed when he was on screen. I'm not gonna lie, when they killed him at the start, I was kind of hoping. I no, was like, boo. I was I no. I when they did at the start, I was like, oh my god, that's gonna piss off everybody, and it's gonna be amazing. Like I was kind of like because. Every for since the first Guardians movie, everyone's been like, "We want Adam Warlock," and and he comes on, he he fights the Guardians for half a second and then dies. I would have just that would have just been like five stars. I don't care what else you do in this movie. That is some baller move. That I did not care for him any time he came on screen. I it was just bored. <laughs> okay, here's my thing. First of all, they're both eleven out of ten beautiful human beings. Like Correct. just looking at them is like so much to take in in the best possible way. I just kind of love and the villain. We'll get into the villain as well because I know you had some things to say about that. But I love. There's even a scene where they talk about it in the movie where the villain is like, "You're beautiful, but there's nothing going on in your head." Basically, <laughs> is what he says to them, and I'm just sitting there go, "Oh." The empty-headed, beautiful, just just keep just keep letting Will Poulter fly around and look pretty, and I you don't he doesn't need to do anything else. Like I'm totally fine with just empty head, beautiful. Just that's you know what that's fine. I'm good with that. But I wasn't annoyed. Like I get why it may have been annoying, but to me, like I just thought it was funny. Like I just thought it was stupid funny. Like I just had fun with it. I don't know. <laughs> I think that type, the empty-headed humor, needs to be. Really- really clever for me i just don't find empty-headed humor funny like, that's I, fair like, and yeah. but i don't know i think i think they were in just enough of the movie but not too much where it didn't get annoying to me mm. like every once in a while they would step in and just be like kind of dumb and i'm like all right that's cool i don't know um okay i agree with taylor <laughs> um <laughs> i hate agreeing with jacob but i also agree with jacob <laughs> i really liked like i did really enjoy um that storyline and that kind of like thing and like having adam warlock come in and then like just fuck fuck shit up and that was epic and just <laughs> every time the i say now i'm so self-conscious do you, under, of it. Do, you now, do you now know how self-conscious i am about a door like i have tried very hard not to say it except no one's told me it's just stop saying epic it's just me um 
Someone ju- someone actually told you shut the fuck up. Um, anyway, shout out to our listeners for telling us to <laughs> shut the fuck up. Um, but yeah, so uh, like that opening scene with him was really cool, and from there I was kind of like whiplash of like how different his character was, and maybe like I don't obviously don't read comics, uh, like maybe he's just like that, but. Um, so maybe people saw that coming, but yeah, the kind of like him, him actually just kind of being not very bad. I don't know. Like he was kind of cool, but, um, I also think his character is very much set up, which is where like the, the Marvel side of this movie comes in of like, they're trying to set something else up because they can't just have a finale film. It has to also connect to something else. Yeah. So that's what kind of pissed me off about Adam Warlock. But other than that, I will look at sexy Will Poulter all day. (laughs) Yep. That's fine. Yep. You're going to hate me for what I'm about to say, though, because I looked up how the age difference. (laughs) You said 10 years. I said it would have to be probably like around there. It's two yeah, exactly. <laughs> Elizabeth Debecki's yeah. two years older than Yeah, which, which is per- honestly, that's why I love it. I love so much that you have Will Poulter, who's literally the same age as her, being like, mother. As he should. And, and I love that she has no prosthetic, ma- like, I just love that it just, they're like, fucking, you better, they're beautiful, and this is how nobody ages, and that's mother, and I don't know what to tell you. Um, I love that. Um, and also, I love... Like it is kind of annoying because it's it is cl- clearly like a Marvel setup thing, but if it means we're gonna get more Will Poulter, I don't really fucking care. Whatever. <laughs> um, is he like rumored to be in anything like Animal Look? Like gonna be in anything he'll else? Like, he probably will. He probably will. Okay. Uh, I was I just mean, wondering if there was like they, obviously something that's already been announced that he's gonna be. in. They were very, very, very quiet on where this movie ends. Okay, we, for obvious reasons. Um, but they were very quiet on who would still be around. So no, there's not really been anything that's come out from all this afterwards because mm-hmm. of where no one knows where this movie was going to end. But yeah. What did um, we think of... We, I'm pretty sure the first time it's ever happened in any of the movies, but we got Groot saying something other than I am Groot. Yeah. Mm. What did he say again? It was something I really wholesome. Guys. Yeah, yeah that he says was... I love you guys. Yeah. He it technically was... has said we are Groot. Okay, but, but that's yeah, no, count. it doesn't count. He says, you. "I love you guys." You're lucky I don't punch you in I the know, face for that's that. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that was like, oh, but that was also like, hmm. I don't know. I just think I think it was definitely like a like a nod to the crowd, being yeah. like, "Yeah, you want to know what he says." I think the end of the movie was really well handled. Yeah, I think too. everything like, I think that them disbanding. I think you get the big, like the cheesy i i i love okay it's such a 2000s movies to end on a cheesy dance number and him going 2000s music with yes. a two thousand. i thought that yes. was okay you I was get away so, with this i was this. like oh because he was like when he was like looking at the ipod and then he chose 2000s i was like oh my god we're, we're entering this like millennium okay yeah <laughs> like, I, but i like i'm like okay Yes, you get away with this because that is a 2000s movie type thing. Like, every 100%. Like, 2000s movies ended with the cheesy dance number, and so that's what cool. you're doing. So, you get you can get away with that. I, I think it works really well. Um, what do okay, no guardians, no one died. I know, which I am shocked by. I was expecting I, one, yeah. If Rocket died, I don't know what I would have done. Well, I said from the start, I didn't think Rocket 
I didn't think Rocket or Groot were going. I always thought they were safe because one, it's a voice actor. You can rehire a voice actor for someone else if Bradley Cooper or Vin Diesel don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Whereas in the other phase actors the other, are harder. Yeah, like like Gamora's more like I know I know Zoe Saldana said, Oh, I'd, I'd love to see the character be played by someone else and still be around. She's not. Gamora's mm-hmm. done. Yeah. We're most likely never getting Gamora again. At least not for a while. No, unless unless, so- unless they do the the one thing you could do if they wanted to keep Gamora around, um, it would be fucking no. Nah, you could do it. Whatever rules don't matter. Um, you could go younger. Like you could yeah. reboot with a younger Gamora. Yeah. Um, because you know, fucking at this point, it's a con- I don't fucking care about continuity. It's a comic book. Just do yeah, fucking whatever you want. <laughs> but like, but that's more like I. So the two CGI characters, I didn't think were going anywhere. Because yeah. they're CGI characters, and you're not having to pay an act. You're not having to pay a actual actor who wants twenty million dollars. There, you yeah. are paying a voice actor, and now yeah. admittedly, it's Bradley Cooper, and he can ask for that. But if you don't want to pay that, you can get another or if voice he's just actor, done or, with it. yeah, or yeah. if he's just done or whatever. Like you, mm. there is a way. So I was like, Marvel are not going to let you kill them. I'm shocked they didn't do kill you, anyone. Do you think Batista's done? Batista's done. Batista is yeah, absolutely I think so done. Too. I, I think him and him and Marvel had a falling out mm. after what happened with Gunn. Mm. Like I thought, yeah. uh, like I think that, yeah. After everything that happened there, he he's he is done with Marvel. And honestly, I don't blame him. He's I think he has such an interesting career trajectory ahead of him. He doesn't need to be just doing Marvel movies. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I think I think for sure. The only thing they've quote unquote confirmed with like the ending fucking title card is that we're getting more Star Lord. That's yeah. literally yeah yeah. Is all- that like Star Lord as in as we know him as Chris Pratt? Yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> where and why? I, I, like, I thought the whole reason of this movie was to be the end of all of these. Characters. I think it's the end of. The, no, I think it was the end of, of Guardians, this Guardians like, of this, of this version. Of but the I think Guardians. we're now going to because I, I think which I kind of I don't know if I like that because while I love the Guardians, I'm like, if you're going to end something, just end it. I don't, I don't know. know. I think I think because they're planning on doing Young Avengers, I think they're also going to do Guardians 2.0, which is Warlock, Rocket, Groot, yeah, um, whatever the fucking Sean Gunn's character. Yeah, I don't fucking Craig, know his name. Craiglin, I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, but I think that they're going to do Young Avengers and then this Guard- version of Guardians. Mm. Probably. I'm assu- That's just me making shit which, up. Like, but- I'll take more Rocket and Groot. Like, yeah. I was really sad. <laughs> so I was like. Don't tell me this is the last time I'm ever going to see Rocket and Groot on screen. I, I know. But, yeah. Um, the other thing I did want to bring up, and I just, because there's so much to talk about, I just didn't, haven't talked about it yet. But I was, it was such a breath of fresh air to, one, see, like, creatures and humans and whoever, like, everything with, like, actual practical makeup that looked awesome. Yeah. Like, you could tell when someone has face paint on and actual prosthetics and, like, Everyone looked great. Mm-hmm. And there was maybe one or two kind of wonky moments, but the visual effects also were such a step up from what we've been getting recently mm-hmm. in Marvel films. Like the movie just looked good. It felt immersive. It didn't feel like you were just looking at someone on a green screen. It felt like there were like sets a lot of the time. Again, there were a couple wonky moments, but for the most part, like it mm-hmm. felt like you were in this world 
it you looked at a character and didn't go oh well that's just someone with a bunch of fucking dots on their face mm-hmm. like it was so good and that's something i really appreciate about what james gunn does like it just felt i was like oh thank you i don't have to sit here and every 20 minutes go well that's a shitty green screen or well mm-hmm. that person's not in the same room is that like it just oh yes. i know it's such a low bar but like jesus <laughs> seeing this made me like mad i was like what if why why can he do this and none, no no yeah. one else can yeah. literally no one else can do this like what do you mean like is, is yeah. it that difficult like yeah. yeah like i i think this is Probably one of the, like, I, I'm really curious where the MCU goes from here. Because, look, the next one's Marvel's. We'll see what happens with that one. And then and then we mm-hmm. get New World Order and start going into, like, the build-up for a Kang movie that we don't know what's happening now. Yep. And so, like, it is going to be, like, the next two years for the MCU are going to be very interesting. I part of me still care and again the other big problem we have a writer's strike going on yeah. right now mm. so that is going to impact this like the mo- most of the movies are already pretty shocking yeah. so. so like it's gonna get real interesting real quick like uh, yeah yeah is marvel's done yeah marvel's is done okay. marvel's is done new world orders shooting mm. it might be finished shooting. i figured yeah i figured marvel's would be safe the but, the yeah. the biggest one After that next the, year. the single biggest one that's going to get impacted for me that I that I look at and go ooh outside of Kang outside of Loki season two and and everything that's going on with Kang the Conqueror with mm. um Kang Dynasty right now the biggest one is going to be the Daredevil series yeah because that's currently shooting and that is twenty episodes shit. They wouldn't have finished every single episode. No. That, that is because that's being shot like a network show. So right. that's gonna get really okay. interesting. I the the Daredevil show is. I wouldn't be surprised if we're told it's delayed twelve months because that was the other thing you start you you got from the original writer strike, which was delayed projects. Projects would either hey, it's only thirteen episodes, and then we've cut the rest for next season. Uh, or you got something like 24, which went the entire season's just been delayed 12 months. Mm. We they'd, they'd done about eight episodes, and normally it's they do the eight, but they would still catch up through the whole thing. They just went, nope, we're delaying the full thing. And so the, the show was never impacted by it, but you got the delay, and that was what was impacted. So it, it I'm curious where Marvel and where a lot of these other projects go with that type of thing. Do they, do they just start delaying the projects? Do they turn around and go, no, we, we got to do this. So, so we could get some bad movies and we've been getting them bad anyway. Yeah, right. Anyway. We'll see, I guess. Yeah. Uh, does anyone have any other final thoughts? Just the fact it? that this is like an animal rights movie. is epic for vegetarians yeah. like me. <laughs> um, and the one moment that made me cry was like, all the animals in the cages and Rocket is like looking at them and he goes up to the little raccoons. I was like, no, nah, this that, is too much. That was well done. No, I, I actually, the moment right after that's what is not got me like that. I, that I think is a really great moment where, which is where the, come on, we've got to go. No, we've got to take them. No, we've got all the kids off. No, all of them. Mm-hmm. All right. And then they, and then them are all coming. Out. I thought that was actually like that a really, really, that beautiful. was a really nice moment. I thought that was really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I look, I really like this movie. I think this movie is really well made. Uh it's got some problems, but again, 
it's the best MCU movie we've had in a long time. So yeah, really, kudos to James Gunn. Kudos to everyone there who who worked on this film. You did a great job. Yeah, slay. Yeah, slay. <laughs> Agreed. All right, Lena, where can they find you online? Oh, I said I would come back with like a one handle across everything, but I it's been problem, three weeks. There's problems with that. I have a name. I can't. It's a, yeah. Anyway, on TikTok you can find me at Laney Film. Uh, also on Twitter uh, and then on Instagram and <laughs> Letterboxd, you can find me at Elena Violet. You can find all of us at Lights on the Screen basically everywhere. Taylor. You can find me pretty much everywhere at Finally Tailored, Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube, just all of all of the places. I'm I'm probably probably there. So, you know. You guys can find me pretty much everywhere at Jacob London. Uh, I have no idea what we're talking about next week yet because next week we have book club to the next chapter and love again. So, well, I have no idea what we'll be talking about <laughs> next week. So uh, we'll figure that. I've watched the first book club movie twice. So oh my God. <laughs> I don't know why, but I have. So I'm very excited for book club two, <laughs> where the girls go to Italy. Oh, God. But no, yeah, we'll figure that out. Well, we will figure that out. Until then, guys, this has been the Lights on the Screen podcast. Thank you very much for listening.